I was like, man, G. Clay is like, Egh. like I really want pigment on paper, and you know, screen printing was so great because you know I have this this thing about color, you know, just really seeing vibrant, beautiful, like deep color, and you know, layering color on color on color on color, and then along comes like these ultra high resolution. 12 color automatic, like basically like inkjet printers. And like, I've been messing around with a friend of mine, this guy, um, Sean Hernandez. Uh, he, he's a printer in LA. He got one of these pigment printers and I was like, let's stand them. You know, somebody was asking for a print that I had run out of the edition of. And I'm like, oh, let's just see, you know, good Lord. Like the colors are just deep and rich and vibrant and the resolution is literally 1200 dpi super high resolution you know is that like drawing on a tablet or or recording in pro tools where there's a little bit of a hesitancy to move away from the more analog approach absolutely yeah i mean it's uh it's you know it's like like both of those things there's like pluses and minuses to it you know um you know, like I, so I do, I use a tablet like, um, a lot now. And I've, I actually did, uh, for the last issue of Uptight, I did two of the stories completely on a tablet. Like there's, there's no original art for those stories. It's all on the computer. And I kind of, once I started messing around with the tablet, I dove really deep into it. And then when I was finishing keeping two, you know, I come back and I'm drawing with a brush on paper and having, do- having dived, dove, <laughs> having jumped really deep into, um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the tablet experience, I'm, you know, there's a, there's a qualitative difference when you're drawing on the tablet because at least with me, because you have control Z and, that little, that little thing of being able to like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. It with me, it like does this little trick where it's like every line isn't quite committing. You know, it's like, let's, I know I can like, I know I can like go back on this. And so there's this, there's this surety to drawing on paper where you're just like, Every one of these lines matters. I'm going for it. And of course, you know, you can use whiteout in that if you have to, but like it really does. Um, it's a little bit more of a um, focused experience drawing on paper. I guess it's a, an even better analogy than I had thought of initially, because that sounds that runs parallel to conversations that I've had with producers, music producers. I had John Vanderslice on the show a few times and his thing is he's got a, an analog studio and um, I guess it's, there's one in LA now. It's that thing the first time everyone started using Pro Tools where all of a sudden you're spending like three weeks working on a kick drum because you know you can get it perfect. Right. 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 Yeah, there's and 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 the thing of it is also you know, like I love, you know, like, I love the experience of reading a comic and thinking, oh my God, this is so beautiful. I love this so much. 
but then going back and looking at the art and going, oh, wait a minute. Like there's all of these kind of like, like that, that could be better. That could be better. You know, I had, I very first had that experience with EC Seeger, you know, and man, you know, like gorgeous, gorgeous, like art. But then you look and you're like, oh wait, there's like his hands look kind of funky. And the- I mean, how cocky can you be Jordan to, <laughs> to, go, to go back and second guess what the work of EC Seeger? I'm not, well, that's exactly it. I'm not second guessing it because it's, it's not second guessing it so much as it's like, there's this magic that happens with cartooning where you're reading it and you're fully immersed in it. And that is the product of this sort of um, loose freedom that his hand has. And part of it is him being like, yeah, I'm going to draw. I keep coming. I keep saying hand. His the hand he's using to draw it, right. Has this looseness and this freedom and this kind of just like boom, 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 just skipping right along. And part of that is that the drawings aren't like, we'll say just like perfect, but perfect drawings would remove that like looseness and the freedom, right? Like there's a, like one of my favorite experience I just had about the same exact thing was, was the very latest issue of Cricket. So I Sammy Harkham, you know, um, the drawing, like what a great cartoonist, you know, like he's so good. And yet, you know, I read the whole book, you know, and I, it was, you know, just loved everything about it. And then, you know, I was talking to him on the phone and he was talking to me about like, oh man, the pages aren't even the same size. Like you look and there's like, this page is too short. This page is too wide. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I look back and it's crazy. Like, it's like, you know, I was like, Sammy, these like, have you ever used a ruler? Like what's going on, man? But utterly did not have that experience when I was reading it completely in it. And that's the cartoon, that's cartooning. You know, it's like that to me is really more saying, speaking to like how good a cartoonist he is that I'm not noticing any of these things. Like I'm like there. I assume that you have a more critical eye when it comes to that as somebody who like does this for a living that, that at least theoretically you're picking up on things that the casual reader wouldn't. Well, I mean, I, I would say yes, but those things that I'm picking up on are um, like uh, the cartooning, which is like, which is a different thing than the drawing. Like the drawing's not the cartooning. Like that's the drawing's part of the cartooning, right? Like one another great example of cartooning is like, um, so you know, so you mentioned that Jaime print, right? Um, after I made that that Jaime print of the cover. I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's make some more Jaime prints. Like, yeah, you know, like it's going to be so easy. All I have to do, like literally every issue is full of the best drawings ever. Right. So I go back, you know, I'm like, oh, I like this drawing. I, I take it, scan it, try to make a print out of it. Nope. Doesn't work. None of his drawings. I mean, it's dangerous to say none, but I'm going to just stand on that because so none of his drawings in his comics can be prints. And what I realized as I was trying to make prints out of like, I tried this drawing and then that drawing and then this drawing. I'm like, these are all brilliant drawings, but they can't stand as a print because like his drawings are comics. They're like leaning up against each other. They're, they're relying on the, the drawings on either side of them for, I want to say support, like, 
they look complete as images because of the images next to them. Right? They don't stand as single images. It's like trying to pull a, a a frame out of a film and using that as a promotional still that it usually doesn't work. Right, right. You know, it's it's it, but 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 even more so in comics because like with with film, like generally, I think you can like, you know, I guess who depending who you're talking about. Like, I mean, Jim Jarmusch, I feel like he's he's sort of an exception in that in that like each one of his he makes tableaus images. Yeah, they're very much like framed, you know, they could be still images, but there's movement. Um, but like, but like with comics, it's like this image is conveying something even of movement that does not, um, a single image that is conveying like movement and motion and, uh, and, and also visual, you know, narrative information that um, that narrative information is drawn from what's around it, you know, in good, in good comics. And so, you know, yeah, like, so, so just pulling that out, it just erases all of that context. And you're like, oh, where's the meaning? Well, okay. The drawing a single image relies on putting all that meaning in that one image. I've got your, your new book in front of me. Yeah. One of the few, few copies in this world just, (laughs) just yet. But looking at it, especially looking at it towards the end, is there a way in which you think that you might be more of a Jim Jarmusch? I mean, there are definitely full pages and they're, you know, and they're definitely really sort of meticulously crafted patterns at certain points in the book that I think could be pulled for a print. That's interesting. Um, I, I certainly don't think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, what I say about like Jaime's, the way Jaime moves from panel to panel is often it's, it's a different thing than, than I'm doing exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely, um, I mean, the way I put together a page and all that, it's, I, it's, it's, you know, it's very much sort of intuitive. It's not, you know, I, I try to put together, well, when I'm putting together a page, it's generally putting together a spread to start with, you know? So all of that is like sort of a a block of information. And the way I, I, I do panels is very much like what visual information is conveying the narrative. So it's like the drawings are, I don't want to say they're not secondary. I want them to look beautiful and I want them to, you know, be immersive and that sort of thing. But it's like, it is very much a, like this visual piece of information means this, and this means that, and they all kind of like chunk, 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 fit together to, to make a statement kind of like a sentence almost, you know, it's like, there's a grammar, a visual grammar that kind of goes into it. Um, and yes, some of those pages towards the end, in fact, he's, he's standing up to grab something. So this, this is, this was a panel towards the end. I, um, I ended up redrawing that as the, um, as this little print that's going to go in with, uh, some of the books that I sell. And yeah, you know, so that, that very much can, but you had to redraw it. I redrew it. It's basically the same drawing, though. But uh, so so when I do a drawing like that, in my case, it would very much be like a a breath. You know, it's like taking a like a beat because this drawing, while it does, you know, there's a lot about this particular drawing that relies on you know what came before it and what you know these you know these particular glimmers had a thing you know going on earlier in the book, and so you know you, you sort of understand the headspace, the sort of emotional 
tone of what's going on in that drawing. But it can also just be taken as a single image. And in the book, that definitely, you know, the sort of bigger, you know, composed images really do serve as kind of like a slowdown, you know, just like a everything kind of gets a little bit slower. And, you know, before the next, you know, kind of movement, you know, type thing, you know. There's a way in which it is a fast-paced book from the standpoint of jumping around from not only scene to scene, but like person to person. Yes. It's nonlinear in a lot of ways. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dream sequences throughout. I mean, you know, you, you make a point to distinguish the panels, even with that on first read it, 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 it's, it's kind of, it's really difficult to to separate one from the other, you know, intentionally. So, you know, I mean, like you say, you say nonlinear and yes, Absolutely. It's very nonlinear, but as I was drawing it and how I kind of like um, approached it was super linear, you know, like it's, it's, it's like the simplest story, you know? Uh, And then all of the nonlinear, well, the, the the things you're calling nonlinear, the things, you know, like which will very much be viewed as nonlinear are just this, you know, using comics, using the language to try and say like, what's, what's going on in this person's like interior like experience, you know, in the moment. And if you had removed that, it would be the most boring book in the world. (laughs) Totally. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that was kind of what I was so excited about is this like telling a story that is pretty simple, you know, pretty straightforward, but like having by putting the interior experience in there because i mean look man i i get you know my i don't really do you know i don't have like you know car chases or you know shootouts or you know like all these things you see in movies like that just doesn't happen. this is a wildly violent book in a lot of places though wildly violent wildly violent. there's a lot of gore yeah no it's it's a lot of a lot of really awful stuff happens and that you know that is sort of like trying to you know that is something that you know, I will experience while chopping onions for dinner, you know, like type of like, you know, if something, you know, something might be going on in my life that I'm, you know, worried about, concerned about, yeah, I'll have these images flashing through my mind, these worries, these concerns, you know, and um, they all, they always come loaded with images, you know, about like, well, you know, like worrying about, you know, what if something happened to this person that I love, you know, um, which in the moment when, there's no resolution to that. You don't know. Oftentimes, you know, I find my mind can spiral off on these pretty, you know, dark places. And, um, I've since, you know, look, I've worked with that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've definitely, you worked through that. I, I wouldn't say through that, but, um, but I've definitely got, I've acquired some skills that make navigating that experience, um, you know, more, um, I'm more able to navigate that experience without completely falling apart. You know what I mean? I am a very anxious person. Yeah. Just generally. Yeah, same. Obviously. Right. right. <laughs> and I don't think, by the way, I don't think it's very uncommon. Like, I don't think that's like, no. you know, rare at all. I think. I don't think anxiety is uncommon and no. I don't think worst case scenario is common. I don't know whether or not this is common. I don't, cause I, I certainly don't experience it in the same way, 
I definitely sort of expect for the worst and oftentimes imagine the worst, yes. you know, it, it, you know, in this case, like if somebody doesn't come home when they're supposed to be home, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what horrible thing happened to him. Yeah. And I'm sure that as the father of two kids, yeah. that, that just amplifies a million times, but it's the, it's the, it's the, the, the extremely like real graphic representation that, that is where you diverge from me. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, I'm, I mean, like, yeah, so I do. So I, I realized, you know, like, as you know, you know, I've been working on this book a long time. So it's really, you know, been sitting with like, what is going on for me, you know, when I'm having these experiences, like what's actually happening there? And why, you know, so sitting with that for a really long time, I realized like, a big, big part of what images I'm getting when I, when I do feel like, oh no, so-and-so isn't home, you know, at, you know, when they said they would be and, the, and that these images unbidden leap into my mind, you know, where are they coming from? You know, and I realize after the years of working on this, that many, many of those images just come from movies, you know, they just come from movies that I've seen, you know, they're, they're just burnt wholesale, just adapted to my particular situation, you know, and, and, it's 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 almost like not quite just the movies so much as it the is the emotional impact of of that particular scene in a particular movie and as i've worked on this book you know i've become much much more kind of sensitive to the movies that i you know like like the the images that kind of go into my my field of view and um in the sense that you're not watching the same kinds of movies that you watched before or you're just more cognizant as you're watching them absolutely both um both of them and um you know i i definitely you know when i was younger i definitely watched a lot of horror and a lot of um and you know it's not like i don't watch horror now but it's like i want that horror to like earn its earn its keep you know it's like are you are you just freaking me out to like make me uncomfortable or are you doing something with this? You know, and yeah, no jump scares. Well, you know, there's, there's some damn good jump scares, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, was it, you know, was it, was it, it follows like there's some, there's some great jump scares in there that, um, are totally earned and, um, fully functional. But, um, but, you know, there's a lot of movies that are just, you know, I, I, for, you know, I just kind of entertainment, you know, just like, Hey, we're going to do this thing, blah, 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 you know, and it's not, um, it's not earning its keep as a story. You know, it's not, it's not like doing anything, but like sort of giving me something to watch. And so I've, I've definitely become a lot more, I don't want to say impatient, but like, you know, like I'll turn, st- I turn stuff off all the time now where I'm just like, man, I checked it out, whatever, you know, it's just doing this thing that, you know, it's just like content for content sake who cares i think that's just part of living in the streaming age too right i mean i think i think about this a lot in terms of music you know i mean it's it's such a cliche old man thing to say but the difference in going to going to a movie theater versus watching something on a streaming service or you know going to a record store and buying a you know 18 20 cd even if you don't like it at first you're going to take your time with that thing because you spend your hard-earned money on it right 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 instead of jump 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 you know, like, yeah, which is what we, which is what we do now. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you've, you've got mm-hmm. a million movies on Netflix and you just flip through them if, if yeah. they don't hook you in the first five minutes. Yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
and you know, I, I guess that that's that's definitely worked kind of counter to me because I, you know, it's like I don't watch movies very often, and now you know, at home, you know, streaming, and I, you know, it's it's great to be able to actually go to the theater, you know, like it's a it's a real like let's take time out and watch a movie rather than, and that tends to be, it just you know. It's a richer experience and, you know, but I don't get out to the movie. Yeah, whatever. There's that movie, you know, that movie um, I've been meaning to see the, you know, what is it? Everything all, all the time. Oh yeah. Everything all at once. Yes. I haven't seen it yet. You know, I was in love with the preview. Oh my God. Everything everywhere all at once. There we go. Yeah. And I'm like, gotta go to the theater to see that movie. Um, It looks amazing. But um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I just, I, I definitely have not. I've sort of really cut back on a lot of the, um, the video images, you know, like I'm just like it, it, cause I just, I see how big of an effect it has on me. When you go back and not that you go back and reread your work, but if, if you, if you were to go back through keeping two, could you point to specific images and panels that in, in a certain way came from a certain film? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't think so. I mean, um, there's definitely a sort of trope in several movies of the sudden car crash. There was a while when when that was just in every movie. Yeah, and I, yeah. I had somebody in my life who died in a car crash, not lying. And that was just like <laughs> very traumatic when it's yeah. just every film used that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one, that particular trope really, you know, I, I think if I had to like jump to any particular movie, it was, um, it was, uh, what was it? Um, it wasn't, it wasn't called revisions. It was, um, was it adaptation? No, it was the orchid thief. Yeah. Yeah. It was not adaptation. It was the yeah. Orchid it was thief. adaptation. Yeah. Adaptation. Okay. That's right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly enough, the two that popped in my head were that and yeah. meet Joe black, which I don't think anybody remembers, but there's mm. a very, there's a very graphic car scene that, that specifically I saw after I had my own car crash and mm. I do have a very visceral memory of that film because yeah. of exactly that. Yeah. 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 That, um, but that, that particular trope is something that like, uh, I, I think, you know, was definitely, you know, I, cause I've never liked cars, you know, like I remember like when I was a kid and I read that Ray Bradbury didn't, uh, didn't ride in cars. Cause he was like, nah, they'll kill you. You know, like I'm just never going to, I don't know cars, you know? Was that, yeah. It was no cars. Right. Yeah. And I think, or was it no airplanes? Maybe it was no airplanes. How would he get around if it was no cars? No, I think it was no airplanes. You're, you're probably a lot more likely to die in a car than an airplane. Than an airplane. Statistic. Yeah, I, I feel like it was, I forget. Well, it must not, it can't be no cars. Like, how would he get around? It was just flying saucers for him all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right. He fa- But he famously did not, he was not a fan of cars. And, um, you know, I really appreciated that. And, you know, and then just reading, you know, like that was one of my, you know, one of these formative, like, things in statistics when, um, you know, just in understanding statistics at an early age where it was like this idea of like, you're comfortable with something, but that doesn't mean it's safe, you know? And so cars are extremely dangerous, whereas airplanes are very safe, even though you feel much more uncomfortable in an airplane and safe in a car. And that kind of stuck with me. And, uh, you know, yeah, cars, man, they're so, uh, <laughs> so I would say, you know, that of, of all the movie tropes, that particular one kind of really stuck out to me. And this is probably the case for all tropes, but, uh, this is certainly one that I think really we experienced in real time in our, in our lifetime that it was, I mean, that, that movie 
adaptations mm-hmm. specifically, it was very effective in that because there, there, just, there just wasn't a lot of that before that movie. And now mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. now it feels a little cheap, right? Now, yeah. now it feels like a really sort of cheap way to to draw people in, right? Right. Yeah, and that that was so so you know those cheap ways. That's another sort of thing that when I was doing this book that I was trying to really like work against. You know, like, having said that, that trope had a really big. <laughs> effect on it. But like, even when I was beginning this book, it's much, it's this, this thing I'm about to say is like, it's much more like in my mind now, but even when I was beginning this book, this idea that like most of the time in a movie, when you want to raise the drama, like out comes a gun, out comes a gun, right? The music, but you know, but also now that I'm thinking about now that I'm thinking about the book, there isn't, I don't think you can effectively recreate that the film trope in a comic in the same way. I, I just, I don't think it has the same kind of gut punch that it has when you're watching a film. No, no, no. I mean, especially, you know, when you can add the, uh, you know, the Foley to it, uh, you know, that, you know, and, 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 you know, also the, just the sort of like, you know, the, the camera moving and the shaking of the, you know, the whole experience is very, but I also just think it's the act of like reading panel to panel is, is not the same as a, you know, I mean, there, there, there is something, and this, this is almost like that. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not. I don't think it is. That, that story about the people watching the first film of a train, and they all like jumped up and like got oh, out of the way because they right, thought it was coming right, toward right, them. Right, 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 right. I mean, obviously, we you know acclimated to movies now, but there is there is something that they're able to do in a very effective and visceral way when something really does come out of nowhere. It, mm. It's the jump scare thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. an when a jump scare is an effect is effective, it really does affect you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And, and, and the thing I think that, that I, that's behind the sudden car crash and that, you know, the jump scare in some instances is this, and, and certainly like something I was working with and keeping too, is this, this idea of sudden loss, you know, like everything's cool now. And but that doesn't mean I'm not going to just suddenly lose everything, you know, this, and this, this sort of catastrophizing that I think is, um, you know, is done a lot in, in stories and is, is sort of, it feels like it's a, it's something that's also very, um, it's like a, a continual story, a continuous kind of narrative, you know, in, in, in media, you know, in, in, in the news in, you know, just, something that I think is constantly at the forefront of, of, of our experience when we engage with media, at least in terms of the, the, the frightening part of it is this idea of sudden loss, you know, that your life might not be the same today. And, uh, you know, that, that particular thing has been, you know, and is, you know, a, a difficult one to navigate, you know, and, uh, in my own life, as in this book, you know, the only the only real escape from that possibility of sudden loss, I've found has been, you know, just real deep focusing on the present moment, you know, because it's it's a true, it's true, you could not have it could actually all change today, you know, like, the idea of like, expecting to wake up and live <laughs> or expecting the people that you love to wake up and be alive today, you know, or live through the day, you know, is entirely true. 
you know, it's not, there's no like, oh, you know, I'm going to kind of like think that one away. It's all going to be fine. No, it is 100% a legitimate concern. Statistically, every moment of life is a, is a miracle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Just existing yes, on earth is a yes, miracle. Yes, exactly, man. So that's, that's the thing. And so the only escape from that, like catastrophizing of like, well, okay. Acknowledging that, you know, it all could be gone in 10 minutes. It's not gone right now. Here it is, you know, right now. In this, you know, it, we've got this thing going on where, like, there's trees and... I mean, Jordan, I'm going to use a buzzword, but you're talking about mindfulness. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that buzzword comes in a lot of different flavors, but um, but absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's really kind of this, like, it's one of those, like, super dumb, but it's like, it sounds super dumb. It's obvious. Yeah, and it's, it's obvious, obvious, right? Like, and okay, here it is. But, like, in the practice of it, like, returning to the present moment, it's great. You know, it actually like when you can remember to do it, you're like, oh, my God, look at that person I love. There they are. You know, do you have a trick for that? Um, Well, I mean. So I do have a meditation practice um, and that uh, that's not as fancy as it sounds. I mean, so the meditation practice is essentially like, um, you know, focusing on your breath. Right. And. So your mind gets distracted and you think about like, oh man, I'm going to do this screen print. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to like, maybe do this. Oh, but you got to, got to make sure. And then you're like, oh wait, breath. Right. Okay. So you come back to your breath. Right. And so that's like one repetition, right? You've done this, like I'm focused on the breath. I got distracted. I come back to the breath. Right. So that's the trick. And then you just practice it. You're just like, oh, I'm breathing right now. And the breath is a really good um, way of um, of doing that because it's the most immediate connection to your life. Like, you know, that, you know, it's water's great. Food is great. But like you can go for a little while without water. You can go longer without food, but you can't go very long without breath. And like, so you return to that breath and you breathe the breath and you're like. And it's the thing above all that you take the most for granted. Totally, totally. You breathe just. I'm breathing. When you're hungry, you have to go and eat food. Yes. Yes. Your body doesn't automatically, you know, you're right. not plants. Your body doesn't automatically do it for you. Being present with the process of breathing, you know, it's not even like, that's the thing. Like everybody is like meditation or, you know, mindfulness is like this, you know, uh, it takes a lot of work. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't really, it's just a, it's just an exercise where you just return to, you know, you just be mindful again and then you just do it again and then you do it again recognize your breath and then you get good at it over the long arc of time. You know, you get better at it. I wouldn't say, you know, and that's helpful. And, but more than just being helpful in terms of like anxiety or whatever, like forget that. It's just, you know, it's, it's nice because like it it helps you to be more present for the things that are really, you know, beautiful in the world and experience them more fully. And that to me feels very indulgent, (laughs) you know, in in the best way possible. You know, because you're like, oh, this is how I like really experience the things I like even more deeply. There are like, you know, there are some very basic ways in which artists, I I think, do experience the world differently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a lot of artists who have synesthesia, for example. There's a lot of artists who like have some sort of condition that has made them more in tune with it. And you said this at the top, you're somebody who really, I think, 
experiences colors in a really vibrant way. Oh man. Yeah. Colors, <laughs> colors are crazy. Like I, so if there's anything I'm good at, it's color. Like if there's one thing that I'm like, I don't know where this, like, you know, if there's anything I was gifted, I would say, if there's anything I didn't have to work for, it was like, it was color. Let's start somewhere really, let's start somewhere really basic though. And you know, I'm, I'm like holding up the cover yeah, of the book, yeah. right? So it's, um, so it's three shades of green. A kind of what? What is that fuchsia? Yeah, it's like fluorescent pink. The, the ink, yeah, something like this. I mean, you know, I I am not a color person, and I don't necessarily think of pink and greens as being two colors that go yeah. together. I mean, where do you where do you start with something like that? <laughs> yeah, so um, so 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 that cover, you know, all, most uh, practically all of the things I do with color like come from screen printing first. Right. So the thing I love about screen printing, and it's easier to get away with this in screen printing, but it is still a kind of a pain in the ass, is I love full fields of color. Like I just like putting as much ink on the page as possible. Printers of books, offset printers, tend to like pull back on the cover color a little bit because if they put like 100%, 100%, 100% on top of each other because of the way the press works, the paper is going to buckle. Like ideally they would do hundred percent saturated color. Let the paper dry another hundred percent saturated color. Let the paper dry. You know, um, that's just too, that's prohibitive. Even if the paper can handle it, that's a lot more time. Exactly. We're talking exactly. About. It's prohibitively expensive to actually do that. So they want to print all the colors at once. And so they necessarily like have to pull back on it a little bit. Um, so I don't get my like deep, 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 like, just I want I want to just like grind the pigment into the page, you know, just like wow for a, like a, a mass produced product. I mean, this, at, at very least, this this it pops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's my first approach is like just as much color as possible because for me that's like it's very visually stimulating. Like I love it. You know, it's just like it's like this you know drug you know of just like eye drug you know where I'm just like ah want to just inject my eyeballs with as much color. So there's that. Then the other thing of it is um, a lot of the times when I'm screen printing, I do this thing with um, like opposite colors to create the line art. So like um, when I say opposite colors, like the most basic idea of opposite colors is red and blue, red and blue, they overlap, you get black or you get a very dark color. And, uh, and I really love that effect. Uh, so I usually build my images based on, they start with two opposite colors usually. And then I just kind of build them out from there. You know, there's like, you know, sometimes there's accent colors in the case of this, this cover, not really, you know, it's like green and then a green, 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 mainly because most of the book is green. You know, I just ended up being like, this is a green book. I don't know why it's green. The book's green. And then the pink is sort of this sort of, you know, counter note to the green that's just running entirely through the book. And that, that is meant to, you know, that that just kind of pulls the eye. And I, I do have a sort of deep and ongoing love affair with, uh, that really bright shade of pink. You know, as you said, the book is, and I'm looking through it now, like almost, almost exclusively green. Now, now there's, there's a lot of different shades of green, but it's not complex from that standpoint. 
Is that just the limitations of, of printing a book? Is it time? No, it's it's more comics. You know, like I was like, so the green in the book is more like, I really like, um, I really like two color comics or one color comics. You know, I like, I mean, you know, I, I like, I like full color. They, they full color comics definitely have their place. To me, a big part of comics is sort of the stripping them down, stripping them down, stripping them down. Like, what do we, what does it not need? You know, and, and I'm like, it doesn't need color. Most of the stuff I'm doing doesn't, I mean, there's, there's whatever, there's, there's exceptions to every rule, but like, I like really limiting my palette in, in by, by saying, I don't, I don't just mean color palette. I mean like, um, but I, of course I do mean color palette. I mean, but, but, but it's the range of options, the visual options I have to express a particular, um, idea. I like to, I feel more comfortable like limiting those, um, Especially, I guess maybe maybe specifically in terms of this story, but it feels very it feels more focused. There's a way in which it gets back to you know the analog production conversation of you know you would never get anything done if you had unlimited options. And I was thinking about this in terms of the EC Seeger comic because the thing that he has that you don't have is a deadline. Yes, there's a reason yes, why he didn't labor over every panel yeah. in the same way. He was yeah. doing you know a daily strip. Yes, 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 absolutely. And, and that, you know, that certainly is a big part of it too. Um, you know, that, but I, but I found, I mean, this is something I found with color initially, like I came to this sort of idea with color initially, like I, I struggled with um, how to make color and images work together for so long until I kind of happened upon the idea of, of just like, what if I made an image with just my favorite colors, you know, and I don't have many favorite colors. So let's just use the ones I like um, instead of being like the grass is green and the sky is blue. And, you know, we just have to color things how they're colored. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't have to color anything, how anything is colored. And I know that's a fairly obvious like um, thing to come to, but, but yeah, I didn't. So I didn't go to art school. So I, <laughs> I was, nobody, nobody was telling me this. I was just kind of like, you know, kind of finding, oh yeah, well, why don't I try this? And to me, it was a revelation. I was like, oh my God, I can just use a couple colors. And suddenly it was just like freedom, you know, like, oh my, and every, you know, now I can make something look really good instead of just being like, oh, and now I have to make the sky blue and blue totally doesn't even fit with this image. Like whatever, but the sky's blue. So it has to be blue. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Nothing has to be anything. Um, and that, so that was a real revelation. And so the simplification of the palette made the image more, or allowed me to make images more like, what are the things I'm trying to say? How does that fit into this particular, uh, you know, group of um, tools that I have to say it with? And, and, and so finding ways to say something with limited color palette is, is, you know, definitely a more interesting challenge than just being like, well, you know, you have all the colors in the world, whatever you can say, whatever you want, you know, bleh. you know, same, same thing. You know, it's the same idea of like the sort of narrative approach of like, how do you express somebody's thoughts in my book? It's pretty basic. It just goes without panels. 
panel borders, right? But I never would have like um, happened upon that if I would have just been, you know, like, you know, because in books you just have to write like he thought, or if you know, you know, if I would have written like narrative, you know, that said like or narration that said like, meanwhile in his thoughts, you know, it, it just it's limiting. It allows it to be simpler and more, I think, more effective, more seamless. It's a line that you had to walk in this yeah. to to both you know to both give the reader the tools to determine what is real and what isn't, but to also make an effort to make it not entirely clear. So you can go back and reread it and have a more of a grasp on what's happening in the story. Um, but you actually have to work towards that. If you look at it like a computer program, which is a terrible way to look at a comic, but so don't do Don't look at it that way. But, um, you know, I was very much like, Here's these panels that say very specifically it happens. Like they say visually, this is happening in the thoughts. And now I've said that, so I don't need to say it again. Like I've already like, burp, burp, you know, and I also thought if that doesn't work, then just m- the process of moving forward through the story is going to like, the penny's going to drop at some point. So that's, you know, that's kind of like, I was like, I feel good. And I also was like, I got to draw this in a way that like, I would like reading it, you know, like I would get it. I think, I don't know. It's hard to say, you know, there were definitely times when I was doing the book and there were all these different like threads of, you know, images on the page, like this image and then this image and this image, and they're totally unrelated to each other unless you'd read everything that was preceding and you were kind of following them. I'm like, oh. I'm really hoping people get this. <laughs> there's a sense in which it's very basic and there's a sense in which it's complex and, and reading it the first time through, I almost imagine, you know, you having some corkboard up and really like having to map some of these things out in a big way, but hearing, having, I think it was the, the PW piece, but you know, r- reading you talk about it, it's, you use I, I don't know what writer this was, but you use the analogy of um Bird by Bird. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was uh, um uh, Which, nah. it's one it's yeah, one it's of those just, like cause I did read that in college. I was a creative writing major. It is one yeah. of those like yeah. one of those books that everybody reads as a creative writing major. Um yeah. like on a winter's night at Traveler, you know. That. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I get the sense from that analogy that the story was unfolding as you were actually working it out on paper? Um, Well, it was certainly becoming more complex. I mean, like I said, like, because it's such a simple story that was starting out, like I knew where it was going to end up. Like I knew exactly where it was going. And so then it became a matter of going as deeply as I possibly could into each of the moments along the way of getting there. Right. So it's just like kind of each moment, you know, I spoke about like color being saturated. So it was the same idea, you know, like let's really saturate each moment with as much experience, internal experience, mostly as it happens, as it unfolds. And so while I knew this sort of basic, like person goes here, person goes there, person goes there, the sort of things that happened while that was happening, that was what definitely was 
what I was finding out as the story went on. You know, I was like, I know there's some catastrophizing, but I also know that there's other stuff too, you know, because it's not just a one, you know, you're not just thinking about one thing. And so, so sort of following those threads of internal experience as they unfold and as they relate to, you know, as they come back in the story too, you know, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, I mean, I've noticed that like a lot of my internal experience is, you know, a little bit repetitive, you know, not, not in a, not in a, not as I'm experiencing it. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, do in the book is like, it happens and it's not like, Oh gosh, this again, but it's like, it's a note that you kind of return to, you know, and it, it, it and then it sort of relates to other notes, you know, parts of a composition, you know, maybe a musical composition, you know, where you're like this, this particular theme, and then you get this particular theme, and then they start to overlap. And then you start to see how they're related and how they play off of each other, you know, how they sort of hold each other up. One of the consequences of that is, you know, especially if there's a sense in which you are sort of going for a little bit of that jolt. Yeah. If you watch a movie and, and a car crash happens 15 times, you know, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of the novelty is lost. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, and I, you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's totally, it's interesting, you know, I mean, like having that get a little old is, um, You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit kind of, I mean, I can't like, it's, it's one of those things that kind of unfolded as I was working on the, you know, as, as, you know, as I went through the book, you know, and worked on it, my understanding of the story, of course, deepened and grew and changed, you know? And, and so, yeah, for sure. That was one of the things where it's like, man, this like violent end is like, really, you know, like, really, we're doing this again? And, and the answer, of course, is yes, because that's where the character, that's where the, the, the you know, that's where they were at, you know, they, it was doing it again. But like the realization as I'm drawing it and, and, you know, as it must be to read it as well, that like, oh, here we go again, doing this thing. That's where, you know, kind of like, what's the inflection? Where is it? Where does this go? How does that change? And it, it did start to change that sort of violent, like, oh, this awful thing started to inflect and change and you know, kind of fold back on itself as well to become something, you know, something slightly, something, something somewhat different. As somebody who has been making a concerted effort to sort of remove some of the, the violent imagery that you take in, I mean, what is, what's the experience of working on a book like this for so long with so many of those images? Um, just really trying to make them matter, you know, not trying to have them be cheap. But you're immersed in them for so long. You inhabit that headspace for so long. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, that's my headspace for sure. You know, it's like, it's even, it's, it's it, you know, it's like, I don't want to like give the impression that I'm like trying to like, that I'm like totally shielding myself from the, from, from the awful violent stuff that happens and that we experience in, you know, the media and the news and the... Sure, you can't. The, you, you couldn't if you wanted you can't, to. You I absolutely mean, can't. There was a moment when I thought that that this interview was last night and I yeah. was so relieved <laughs> that it wasn't because of... I don't know if I can, like, talk to somebody about comics for an hour after, you know, the latest yep. mass shooting. 
that, you know, it's a perfect example. You know, it's like, you know, it really does matter and it is really there and there is a lot of violence in the world. And so wanting to be able to bring that into my story in a way that honors the experience of it, you know, that honors the experience of the people having it, you know, that it's, it, it really hurts to have that image go through your head. And, and, you know, yet on the outside, we're unchanged, right? We're still the same person. We're still the same. We're still, you know, making dinner, you know, we're still, (laughs) we're still doing these, these similar things. Yeah. I mean, assuming you're not, you know, curl up in a fetal position in the corner of the room. Yeah. No, I mean, not now. Um, (laughs) but you know, it's certainly, you know, I mean, there's certainly have been times, you know, and, uh, you know, I guess, I guess it's just, it's, it's been this thing, you know, where I, I definitely have had that, 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 that instinct to just be like, okay, done, you know, no more of the, you know, no more movies with the violence, no more, you know, no more guns, no more anything like done. And that isn't there for me, it isn't the right response either, you know, because it's, it's like, that's, that's like sort of like, it's like bypassing a whole thing that's happening in this world. And so bypass, like not having that in my work would also, I feel like be like this sort of like whistling past the graveyard type thing where it's like, no graveyards there. It's really there. If your whole thing or or the, or the thing that you're trying to get better at is experiencing life, you can't cut out a huge portion of it. Right. Right. So it's, it's like a, it's like a, okay, so this is there. And where does that fit? You know, where is that? How is that experience? How is that experience something that I can have and somehow navigate in a way that I'm still whole, you know, on the other side of it? You know, I find this like, this like sort of idea that we're going to suddenly lose everything it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's just something that, you know, in, in my own life has just been like super horrific, you know, and, and the more I, you know, the goal, older I've gotten and, you know, the more I've sort of like followed the thread of that, you know, I mean, it's whatever it's in, I, I've like, I noticed like, as I've done more, you know, as I've made stories, I'm like, oh, look at that common theme. <laughs> you know, it, it's something I'm actually, I feel like I'm like able to work with more, I have more I'm more able to work with that as a theme. And it's, you know, so it's like, I, you know, it's something, it's definitely something I keep returning to, but I think it's like such a fundamental component of like growing up and existing in the United States of America in, you know, this particular time frame where it's like, name the thing you don't want to lose. And here's a story about, you know, the sudden catastrophic loss of it. And, and so, but there's, you know, and the frustrating thing, and this is, you know, I think, you know, talking about like what we were saying earlier about like, what do, what do I want to see in this world? And, you know, how do I put that into the world? You know, like Jaime's print, like want to see that in the world. So you make it something I want to see in the world. And I'm not saying that I necessarily made this with keeping two, but this is like, definitely, I feel like um, it's a component of it anyway. Is this like, the, yeah, it was a, the navigation of this, you know, f- catastrophic feeling not the not the lot i mean you know like not not the actual loss but the, the the navigation of this like feeling of like sudden catastrophic loss in a way that you can come out the other side right i don't see a lot of stories and and that sort of navigate that you know i see stories where 
there's like, you know, a lot of heroism and a lot of like, oh, you know, we, we, we beat our way out the other side. And so therefore we're good. No, you're not good. You're fucked up because you fucking had this horrible experience that was just like that we watched in the theaters. And now you, you know, now, now you have to deal with all the trauma of like, you know, fighting your way out the other side. Like you're not good at all. Like there's this whole fuck. Your kids aren't going to be good. They're going to be experiencing the ramifications of this this incredibly stressful awful experience you just went through in this movie yeah or if you're superman you know a million people died during that final battle (laughs) right i mean how i guess superman how is he gonna feel about like the million people like there's there's an aftermath right um i'm really interested in stories that like go into that you know like i don't see a lot of I see a lot of stories about the conflict and I don't see a lot of stories about like what happens to navigate the the things that come up as a result of that conflict. You know, conflict is the thing that, you know, so it's like the lizard brain thing. Yeah. You, You know, on the fundamental thing on the fundamental, like part of the lizard brain is you see motion and your eye is immediately drawn to it, right? So that's, we get the three minute or the three second rule from that, right? You jump through movie scenes um, and then, you know, you just have to cut, cut, cut to maintain attention, right? So the next part of that is when we, when we sense threat, again, attention, right? So, such a big part of just everything we're taking in visually is, you know, so that we pay attention to it is rapid movement and threat. Just on the most fundamental, like, you know, just to keep our attention. Instinctual evolutionary things that are built into us that yes, if you didn't have that 10,000 years ago, you'd be dead. Totally. And now it's just this sort of thing that's exploited to like maintain our focused attention. And so to me, like, I'm like, I want to, that's not something I'm interested in. I mean, whatever. I'm not obviously, cause I'm doing comics. Like I'm, I've, I've cut out the moving part of it entirely, <laughs> entirely already. And so I'm, I'm really kind of like then interested in what happens in the absence of threat, but like, there's still the echo of the threat. Right. And, and so a lot of this story is about like that, the echo of that threat, right? Like there's no actual threat, Right. There's a threat. There's always there is, a threat. Yeah. Okay, there is something. Yeah, okay. There is an aspect. <laughs> As you said earlier, the simple act of driving a car is a threat. Right, right. Yes, okay. Yes, there is absolutely a threat. And there's this sort of echo of, you know, just this constant, like, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. You know, which I think is, like, absolutely something that's generational. You know, this is this goes back a long, long, long way, you know, of of just, like, threat. Threat, 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 you know, all of these things, you know, like, I mean, you know, there's a reason why Americans have so many guns because they are fucking freaked out that because they've done so much awful shit, <laughs> you know, and it spirals, right? I mean, yes. more, more guns lead to more violence leads to more guns. Yes, yes. yes. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to say I'm like really interested in the story of like what happens with those the, the echo the threat, the echoes of threat, you know, like, what does that look like? You know? And so I think, I think, I think this is a much, much of a story of about like, like, because, you know, the other thing is like, you know, they're reading that book, you know, and this book is about this, this catastrophic thing, this super awful thing. And 
you know, it's like, you know, as I, I'm writing this, as, I, you know, as, I, as I'm coming through, I'm realizing this is something that they're putting in. You know, they're, they're like putting this into the sort of, you know, the experiential hopper, right? It's just like, this is what's next. You know, here you go. Blow, put the feed in and this is what, you know, this is what's going to show up on the, the, the feelings index, you know, later. Ka-chunk, there it is. Now you're feeling that feeling that you just experienced in a book. Um, and what happens in your life as a result of that echo, you know, brunk, brunk, how does it fit together? It's, in, you know, it's just something, you know, I've been following that in my own life as well. And it's just this interesting thing of like navigating that, you know, and then, and then choosing, how do you, how do you be more intentional about what you put into that, um, you know, experience hopper? Hopper, you know, hopper, like a grain hopper, you know, it's, it's, it feeds, yeah. <laughs> it gets back to the initial idea of putting something out that you want to see in the world. Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's something that I, you know, I, I feel like I'm just getting started on is, is this kind of like having, having these, having these really, you know, like having these stories that have this, you know, you know, deep trauma, deep suffering, but also having, you know, what is the echo of that? What is the, what is the, what is, what does that look like um, as it's integrated into like a person, you know, as they live their life, you know, where does that go? Um, And because it's all, and I'm like, it's dramatic. And it's, it's that thing to me, like, it feels like this is a very dramatic experience to have as a person. How does that, become a narrative. The most profound thing to me is the way the way in which trauma and love are connected um, and yes. the way in which sort of appreciating, you know, your significant other is in a lot of ways a result of of sort of experiencing that trauma mentally, but also there's a moment in the book. And I don't know if anybody's pointed this out, but it really jumped out at me where he is thinking back to a time where he was humiliated in front of a group of people mm. and there's a juxtaposition, and it's a very, it's just a very comics-y thing that only comics can do well where he's remembering it and the anger is juxtaposed with the laughter of experiencing it again. Yeah. 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 It gets to <laughs> the way in which that distance can allow you to process things completely differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that about comics, you know, that, that, that's one of my favorite, you know, that's my favorite things, you know, like I putting, putting this experience next to this experience, mm-hmm. you know, and then just doing that again and again, you know, so the experiences like overlap and go down and go deeper and deeper. You know, I, I mean, like the first place I ever really became aware of that was with Gilbert Hernandez, where, where he will, he, you know, he can sometimes, you know, he'll just go decades in between one panel and another, you know, and, and it's like this idea of like, oh, you're just putting these things together and then a third thing comes out of them. And then that's how a story, the story gets told to me. That's just this magical thing. You, you have to like train your brain to read. I mean, I remember the first time I read a Palomar story and was just completely confused. Yeah, you do. I mean, but yes. I remember feeling almost like the pages had gotten mixed up in the printer. Yeah. 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 No, I get it. And it's, it, I mean, but it's, I mean, it's, it's this visual language, you know, I mean, that's, and when you say training your brain, yeah, you totally are because it's not only a visual language, it's 
in that case, Gilbert Hernandez's visual language, right? It's, it's in, and so it's not just like this thing we've all agreed on. That's another thing that's like really thrilling about comics is like, you know, a lot of cartoonists are inventing their own. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, uh, Ron Regis recent book, talk about inventing your own like visual, like having a totally new visual language. Like he's going all over the place. Like he, I mean, and he, you know, he has always been somebody that like brings more and more, you know, inflection to the, you know, comics language. And it's all rock solid. It's all just like very, like it all checks out, right? He's not just like putting stuff down and comics are neat. No, it's all like very, like very grammatically structured, but like you are training your brain. You absolutely are. It's, 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 it's a visual language that is like, in many cases, unique to the person making it, you know, and that's, you know, that says a lot, you know, that's like, it is work. (laughs) It can be work, you know, because it, you know, and that's also, I guess, what's really exciting about it to me is that, um, at its best, I feel like it's like bringing new ways of, experiencing images, you know, to the page, right? I mean, you can just tell a comic like a movie, you know, like I've seen plenty of comics that are just, you know, they're obviously storyboards and it's fine. You know, it's like a story, but like, to me, I'm like, man, she's just like, you're missing like three quarters of the exciting things about like, you know, bending and twisting and warping the, the, the fabric of what this can be. In, in, in a straightforward way, I don't even mean to be like, like, let's do experimental comics. I'm not saying like, let's do weird experimental comics. I'm saying like, let's just like expand the grammar. And it's cool, you know, like I've seen, you know, I've seen it like, I've seen it spill over into, you know, I've, I, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'm like, oh, I see in that movie that totally happened from comics. 